Hello, my rebels. Today's show is about Dominique LeBlanc. Uh, he is, I wouldn't say rented by uh, the Irving family in New Brunswick. I think he's owned outright by them. And uh, he lives like it. He takes their private jets all the time. Uh, we have some news about his grift and that of his boss, Justin Trudeau. I mean, how do you spend $142,000 of taxpayers' money on food and drinks in one flight. You heard me right. We'll talk a bit about that. Um, but before I get out of the way, can you please consider becoming a premium subscriber to The Rebel? If you go to therebel.media slash shows, you can do it right there. It's uh, 8 bucks a month, 80 bucks a year, but you get a discount on top of that by typing in podcast as the coupon code. And you get the video version of the show, as well as the video version of Sheila Gunn Reed's show and David Menzies' show, and the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping keep the rebel alive. All right, here's the show. You are listening to a Rebel Media Podcast. Tonight, a liberal cabinet minister is caught taking free flights on a lobbyist's corporate jet. It's July 16th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're the biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Oh, the Lebranos are back. They were out of power for a decade under Stephen Harper, and boy, that's a lot of pent-up entitlements. Of course, they're enriching themselves on the taxpayer's expense full tilt. That's bad enough. But they're also erasing any ethical lines about private payoffs they can take from connected lobbies. I think in a way that's worse. I mean, when Justin Trudeau hired two Filipino nannies and put them on the government payroll, it was really gross. I mean, why can't he pay for his own nannies or daycare or whatever like the rest of us do? And not one nanny, by the way. But two, like maybe there's some Hollywood celebrity with a different nanny for each child. Super gross. I mean, Trudeau's a millionaire trust fund uh, inheritor. You know, he's the heir. He, he inherited all his money. He, he gets paid lavishly as the prime minister. He has a free house. He can't hire his own babysitter. That is a grifter. I think that's a form of stealing in a way, but at least we saw it. And at least the only grift was the hundred grand or whatever it's going to cost per year for the two nannies. But what about when Justin Trudeau takes payoffs secretly from corporate lobbyists? Like when he took a free vacation from the Aga Khan, the billionaire who owns a private island in the Bahamas. That vacation was worth at least 200 grand. Now that's the Aga Khan's money, obviously. But if he's giving a 200 grand gift to Trudeau, and by the way, Trudeau asked for the freebie. It wasn't offered to him. If you read the Ethics Commissioner's report, Sophie Trudeau, Justin's gold-digging social climber wife, she literally called up the Aga Khan's daughter, Princess Zara, and asked if she could go there and bring her girlfriends. And when the princess said, well, actually, you know, we're not going to be there, Sophie Trudeau said... Uh, she said, no problem, they just really want to use the place, so could they go and use the Aga Khan's property even though the Aga Khan and the princess were not there? Holy cow, what a low-rent, gross, gold-digger Sophie is. Perfect fit for Justin Trudeau. 
But the point isn't the 200 grand free vacation. The point isn't how gross a gold digger Justin and Sophie are, how cheap they are, the kind of grifters they are. The point is, if the Aga Khan and his daughter, Princess Zara, agreed to give the Trudeaus a free $200,000 vacation on their private island, the use of their private staff, the private helicopter to get there, well, obviously they were accepting, expecting to get something in return much more valuable than 200 grand. That's why the ethics commissioner found that Trudeau broke the law, the first sitting prime minister in history to be convicted of breaking the Conflict of Interest Act. Because you can't take a 200 grand free vacation from a lobbyist who does hundreds of millions of dollars in business with the federal government because that's a bribe, or at least it sure looks like one. The, the ethics commissioner said Trudeau lied to her when he claimed he was, oh, well, longtime personal friends with the Aga Khan and the princess. That was a lie, she said. Trudeau actually hadn't spoken to the Aga Khan in about 30 years other than a quick hello at his dad's funeral. I'm a lot more worried about secret gifts like that than I am about the public grifting like putting his own nannies on the payroll. And you know that Trudeau had a guilty mind about that billionaire island because of the lengths to which he went to keep the vacation secret and then the lengths to which he went to lie about it afterwards. Which brings me to the news of the day. I read about this news in Blacklocks, which is a small independent news website based in Ottawa, one of the few media in this country that's not on the take for Trudeau's bailout. Here's their story. Minister used contractor's jet. Let me read a bit. Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominique LeBlanc used a federal contractor's private plane to attend medical checkups. LeBlanc, in a filing with the Commissioner of Ethics, said he traveled with his wife, a New Brunswick judge, aboard a J.D. Irving Limited corporate jet. The personal travel was pre-approved by the Commissioner for a medical consultation as per advice from the treating doctor, wrote LeBlanc. I was accompanied by my spouse. LeBlanc's wife is Provincial Court Judge Jolaine Richard of Moncton. The minister last April 26 took medical leave from cabinet for treatment of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but is seeking a seventh term as MP for Beausjour, New Brunswick. Must be nice, eh? See, the rest of us have to wait in line for medical care, but not if you're in the elite. Look at Justin Trudeau's wedding party. Look at that, eh? Look at them all. Basically, all of his buddies from school. There's Gerald Butts right next to him. There's Seamus O'Regan at the bottom. They're all grifters. Seamus O'Regan, probably the dumbest cabinet minister other than Miriam Monsef. Gerald Butts, they're all in there. These are the aristocrats, people, and you're a nobody. See, aristocrats don't wait in line for health care in New Brunswick. They go to the front of the line in Montreal, which has better hospitals than New Brunswick does, and they go there by private jet, even if the private jet is furnished by the Irving family, which has countless contracts with the Canadian government, including for, you know, shipbuilding. But hey, if Trudeau can take a free flight and a free vacation, if, he, if he's defiant about that, that sets the precedent, sets the mood, sets the tone for the rest of the people in his wedding party. I mean, his cabinet, right? So, so why wouldn't Dominique LeBlanc take a free jet flight? What would the cost of that have been had he paid for it himself? $50,000, $100,000, I don't know. But the thing is, Dominique LeBlanc already promised that he wouldn't deal with the Irvings if he were in cabinet. Get this, let me quote this. 
The minister, that's Dominic LeBlanc, in a declaration under the Conflict of Interest Act, said he used the Irving jet for a return flight from Moncton to Montreal on June 13th. The public declaration of travel was disclosed yesterday. LeBlanc has named Irving CEO as a personal friend. Under a conflict of interest screen in 2016, he pledged to abstain from any matter or issue involving J.D. Irving Limited, Irving companies that include numerous federally regulated industries. Under a July 12, 2016 agreement with the Commissioner of Ethics, LeBlanc pledged to undertake to recuse myself and inform the Ethics Commissioner within 60 days of any Irving matter. Oh, well, well, maybe he'll just pay a $50 fine or whatever it is. One last line from the Blacklock story. The Commissioner of Ethics, in a separate decision last September 12, found LeBlanc in breach of the act over the awarding of a $24 million commercial fishing license to a company managed by his wife's cousin. The lucrative surf clam license given to Five Nations Clam Company was canceled last August 16. Investigators determined LeBlanc and cousin Gilles Terrio privately discussed company business at a Shediac New Brunswick coffee shop. Oh, got it. So he broke the law then too. $24 million contract. You see what I mean? T to me, that's the bigger risk with the Lebranos. He he's crooked timber, this Dominic LeBlanc, just like his boss. Look at this story here. Dominic LeBlanc's family donors appointed to five of six recent New Brunswick judicial vacancies. I mean, look, putting your nannies on the government payroll is really gross, but what about literally placing your family in positions of judicial power to rule over the province like it's a per personal fiefdom? I mean, there's the job for life aspect of being a judge. There's the huge financial benefit of being a judge, but that's not the biggest problem with this corruption. It's not the cash that's the main point. It's the erosion of the rule of law. It's eroding our democracy. It's turning into a little kingdom. That's the problem here. Justin Trudeau is corrupt. He's so bad he was convicted of breaking the Conflict of Interest Act. And so his senior staff know that's fine. That's how it's done. That's what the boss does. So they all do it now. They, we know that crooked Gerald Butts from the wedding picture there, um, he billed taxpayers $127,000 just to move down the highway to work, to, to work for Trudeau in Ottawa. $127,000 just to move down the highway. Moving a huge house's contents should be what? Maybe fifteen grand max? He spent 10 times that. Uh, LeBlanc has been flying on the Irving's corporate jet for decades. Under Jean Chrétien, it was so gross so often. I mean, he'd use it for government business. He'd use it to fly to weddings. He surely racked up millions of dollars in free flights. It was so bad that even Jean Chrétien's ethics commissioner, if you can even believe there was such a thing, was so alarmed that he asked one of LeBlanc's staff to recuse himself from anything to do with the Irvings back then. Yeah, telling a New Brunswick politician to have nothing to do with the Irvings is like saying, go on Facebook, but don't have anything to do with Mark Zuckerberg. It don't work that way. Which made me laugh when I saw this tweet today from Justin Trudeau. Flying can be expensive and stressful, guys, and you deserve to be treated with respect if your flight is overbooked, delayed, or something happens to your bags, guys. That's why we've implemented clear and fair passenger rights, and they come into effect today, guys. I added the guys part. Hey, when was the last time Justin Trudeau flew commercial? Like flew a regular plane? Uh, it can be stressful and expensive. How, how would he know? I bet he hasn't paid for a flight this century. I bet he hasn't flown commercial this century. It's not just that he takes illegal free flights like he did from the Aga Khan and that his cabinet takes illegal free flights. It's that when Trudeau himself flies on the 
private government jet we give him, he spends tens of thousands of dollars per flight on wine, liquor, exotic food. As Sheila Gunn-Reed showed a while back, Trudeau racked up $384,000 in food and booze in just five flights. Some of those flights he spent more than 140 grand. How do you even do it on the food? On the food and drink, how is that possible? Then again, this is the same prime minister who specifically requests specialty vodkas. <laughs> specialty vodkas. Um, you know, he doesn't drink normal vodka that mere citizens might drink uh, if they were paying for it themselves. You're paying for him to have some weird elite vodka. I don't even know why. Trudeau is the same moron who, when he went to India last year, he literally brought his own Indian chef with him from Canada because apparently you can't get good Indian food in India and you paid for that too. There are a hundred reasons why Justin Trudeau is the worst prime minister in a generation. He's stupid, he doesn't know how to govern, he, govern, he doesn't know how to lead, he doesn't know how to negotiate, he is a disaster at foreign policy, he is a walking international diplomatic incident, but being corrupt, being a Lebrano, being a grifter, that's got to be one of the most infuriating, don't you think? Stay with us for more. the Antifa attack in Washington over the weekend. It's easy to condemn terrorism. Will you condemn it? Is it clear? Antifa firebombed a facility in Tacoma over the weekend. It's an ICE facility. Will you condemn them for that? Will you condemn Antifa for the attack in Washington? It's easy to condemn a terrorist attack. We're wondering if you'll condemn the ICE attack again, uh, the Antifa attack against an ICE facility in Tacoma, Washington, over the weekend. No. Do you condemn Antifa for their violent actions against American law enforcement? Okay. So now you're getting in the way of me walking. So I'm asking you to please back up, sir. Do you condemn Antifa? What I'm condemning is a lack of journalistic integrity, and you're not respecting my physical space right now. And I'm going to ask you to step away. And, and Antifa didn't respect the integrity of that building. You can give me a card and we can respond. So you're not going to condemn them? This isn't a, a journalistic ethics thing. I'm asking questions that CNN won't. Will you condemn Antifa? Sir, asking one more time to please scoot over. Well, that's our friend Kean Bexty in the halls of Congress. You know, I suppose it's what they say is true. Immigrants are doing the jobs Americans won't. I jest, of course, Kean is not an immigrant to the U.S., he's just a visitor, but he's asking more accountability questions, doing more real journalism in the space of one hour in Congress than CNN has done all year, grilling starlet congressmen like Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and others with questions that they don't seem to like. And joining us now via Skype from Washington, D.C., is Kean Bexty. Kean, great to see you. Congratulations. Thanks, Ezra. It was, uh, fun. it was a fun couple days here in Washington. Well, your videos have had more than one million views. 
in the last 24 hours, both on Twitter, on YouTube. I see they've been shared widely by American news sources. It was on Fox News's Tucker Carlson last night, The Daily Wire, and even the Trump War Room picked up one of your videos and retweeted it, which got an enormous number of views. And I just keep shaking my head because why is it? I mean, listen, I'm glad we're doing it. I'm glad you're doing it. But I'm, I'm surprised that in the entire United States of America, there are no journalists doing that kind of accountability questioning of the left. We see that of leftist journalists to conservatives and Republicans. But I don't know why we don't yep. see that to the stars of the new left like like you were doing. Well, I, I, I don't know either. And it's pretty apparent. You can see there's definitely the appetite for this kind of journalism, this sort of candid interview of politicians. It's something that is rarely seen. Uh, of course, the one congresswoman said it was a lack of journalistic ethics or some, something along those lines to ask her questions in the hallway. I, and I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story. So. I, I basically waited outside of the committee room where I knew Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and a few other Democrats were going to go to eventually grill Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne Conway, of course, uh, snubbed them as she has every right to do, um, being a part of the administration. Uh, so they, they pretty much adjourned that committee meeting right after they all appeared. So I asked them questions as they came in. They adjourned very quickly. And then... Uh, the Republicans all left. And I've, of course, I was asking some Republicans questions too, but I was hanging out by the Democrat door uh, and their staffers poke their heads out uh, and poke their heads out, go back in, poke their heads out, go back in. Uh, and then they start sort of filtering out. And everyone except for AOC and Ilhan Omar and Presley, I think, uh, all stayed in the room for, for like half an hour longer than they were supposed to. In fact, they actually delayed the press conference that everyone was watching yesterday. They delayed it by almost half an hour because they were so scared to leave that room and be asked questions by me. Now, of course, the mainstream media was parked outside the room waiting to ask some questions, too. But after about 20 minutes, they all packed up and left. They didn't want to wait that long or maybe they had to get to the press conference. I'm not sure why they left. Uh, but I just stayed there. I stayed standing in the corner and I, I sort of hid a little bit so that they would think that I left. And right when I did that, of course... AOC and Ilhan Omar both left together to get into an SUV, which is when you, there's that one video of them getting into that SUV when Ilhan Omar starts laughing when I asked her if she will tell Americans, and Antifa in particular, not to be violent towards law enforcement. Hey, we'll show a quick clip of that, getting into the SUV and then laughing about your terrorism questions. Here, take a look. Will you tell Americans not to be violent anymore? Antifa to be, uh, to be exact. Should Antifa stop being violent? Okay, we'll close the door. I can't say I'm surprised that the politicians were hiding from me. We've seen that before. We've seen that in Ottawa. We've seen that in Calgary. Rachel Notley delayed an event by an hour to avoid your questioning. I'll always chuckle over that. Um, but I, I have to say, I mean, I've been to Washington, D.C. a number of times, including to meet conservative journalists. Uh, and aside from Fox News, which is very large and powerful, there's smaller conservative news networks. There's OAN. There's The Blaze, uh, which has merged with CRTV. There's the website-based um, media like The Daily Caller, which has a huge office in Washington. Um, 
Uh, there's just so many conservative journalists, conservative activists. I, I'm truly boggled by the fact that no one just walks up to these congressmen who are very available, it seems to me, and just puts questions to them. I, I don't know. I, I find it unusual that we're doing this from Canada. I love it, of course. I, I think we're making a difference, and I think um, we're growing our U.S. viewership. And, of course, Canadians care about those things, too. I'm just scratching my head because I thought they had a more robust media culture down there because of their First Amendment. I just I feel like the conservative media are, are, are sleeping down there. Well, I'll, I'll tell you my experience that I've had here so far. It, it, compared to Canada, it is far more open. It is much easier to get access to politicians here because the press gallery, if, if one exists here, is not, doesn't have the same iron fist as the one in Ottawa does because, of course, the incestuous relationship between the prime minister's office and the press gallery in Canada. Uh, so in Canada, if you go to Parliament Hill to get in, the security officers will say, what are you doing here? Why do you have a camera? Do you have authorization to be in this building? Whereas you go to Congress and you put your backpack through a metal detector and then boom, you're standing uh, shoulder to shoulder with Ilhan Omar and Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. So that, it, it is much easier to do it, which makes me wonder why there aren't more people doing it. I can understand why there's less conservative journalists in Canada, because it's a very hard thing to cover the prime minister when the prime minister doesn't want you to cover him. Justin Trudeau has absolute authority over who can and cannot be in press conferences. Uh, that's not the same here. So I don't know why the Daily Caller uh, doesn't do this. I mean, they have journalists in D.C. Maybe they think that it's too aggressive. I don't know. I'm, I'm not very a uh, very aggressive individual. Uh, small stature and not very intimidating, I, I like to think. Uh, but, of course, these women, uh, these female uh, these congresswomen that I was uh, interviewing, they weren't happy that I was doing it. They were uh, probably hoping for more puffball questions like what CNN and uh, MSNBC tend to ask them. Yeah, I mean, I should point out that, I mean, I, obviously I watch all your work. You work for The Rebel. And even your toughest questions, they're just sort of standard questions for journalists on the left from CNN or MSNBC in the States from the CBC here in Canada, the Toronto Star. So those are standard questions when put to a conservative. Um, I mean, you never shout, you never swear, you never physically touch anyone or block anyone. Um, it's just that you ask questions that are slightly uncomfortable. Although, really, how uncomfortable should it be when you're asking someone to denounce a terrorist group? That should be the opposite of uncomfortable. That is in a way, a puffball question. Will you disavow Antifa? That actually is a puffball question. The fact that they don't answer it is what makes it cringeworthy and stressful. Yeah, no, I, I, I like what you were telling me yesterday. You were giving me some advice, telling uh, me to ask them to blink twice if they, uh, if they would disavow Antifa because they're, they're silent, right? They... I don't really have an answer, and I think that it's for a couple of reasons. They, it's either if they did answer, they would have to lie, or if they did answer and tell the truth, they would lose a huge part of their activist base. I mean, who is going through the doors, going to the doors in Minneapolis, uh, knocking on doors, handing out pamphlets for Ilhan Omar? Well, it's not everyday Democrats. 
if not centrist Democrat. The, the overlap, I think, between her activist base and Antifa is huge. Uh, the Venn diagram is basically a circle, I like, I, I think. So if, if Ilhan Omar particularly was to denounce Antifa, she would be alienating a huge part of her support base, which has helped her get accepted with everyday Minnesotans outside her small community. Well, it's very interesting. We're having a little bit of a Skype issue, but um, I think we got your message. I want to close by showing an interview you did with Ilhan Omar a couple of weeks ago now, when news broke that according to forms and documents she had filed with the Minnesota state government, apparently, looks like, she illegally married her brother. I don't think they consummated the marriage. I think it was a sham marriage. Uh, uh, for legal fraud, for immigration or tax reasons. So I'll show that because, again, what struck me about this video was just how open and available Ilhan Omar was, who's in the news so much, for just literally anyone to walk up to her. And you had her for almost two full minutes. So, Keen, I'll say good luck and goodbye now and keep it up. And we'll see, of course, on this side of the 49th parallel soon enough because we have 338 MPs we need to hold to account up here, too. But let me close by um, saying keep up the fight, and let me close by showing that video of you and Ilhan Omar a couple of weeks ago. So thanks for your work, Ian. Thanks for having me, Ezra. All right, here's that video. Ilhan, if I could get a moment of your time, if I could get a moment of your time, could you tell me why you filed illegal tax returns in 2014 and 2015? On the Ed Switch Committee? Uh, can you oh, okay. tell me definitively or not, is Ahmad Elsi your brother? For the markup? Yeah. Is he your okay. brother? We're in the middle of the legislative we're briefing. The, we're going, yeah. Is he your brother? We're going to which one? It's foreign affairs. I'll go with you. Can you tell me definitively, yes or no, is he your brother? Um, and why can't you answer that question? The remarks you gave me earlier. Why did you refer to him as your child's uncle on Instagram? And why did you lie? on court documents saying that you hadn't seen him since 2011 when in fact you'd been talking to him all the time on Instagram. Sir, we're not doing ambush interviews. This isn't an ambush. A, you can send me a, an email. Why are you so afraid to answer these questions? Thank you. Um, so we have budget and How can anyone take you credibly on the, uh, on the, twi on the uh, student loan t tax file when you were cheating on your taxes in 2014? How can you call for Donald Trump's tax uh, tax filings when you did when you know nobody can trust you on the file at all? And why are you scared to answer the questions? What are you hiding? I'm trying to find my phone at the moment. So that you can go on Instagram and talk to your brother. back on my monologue yesterday about Justin Trudeau and China, Carol writes, I heard Trump say that he's working on a deal with China and it will greatly benefit the American farmers. Trudeau can insult him as being racist, but watch out, we'll pay dearly for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't relocated the Canadian auto industry en masse 
to Michigan and Ohio already, but if Trudeau keeps chirping at him, it wouldn't surprise me if he does. Liza writes, Canada had better get smart about China. We need a leader who will push back on the bullying. Justin won't do it. How about Scheer? Will he do it if he gets in? Well, I got to tell you, I haven't seen Andrew Scheer get tough on anyone ever other than two people. Michael Cooper, who spoke up for free speech. And um, yeah, us here at The Rebel. <laughs> I haven't actually seen him get tough with anyone or anything else. Have you? On my interview with Joel Pollack, Paul writes, The Democrats are in desperation mode. The party is deeply divided. All they have is identity politics. Expect them to scream racism from now to election time. Well, what do you think about Kean going down there and messing stuff up by asking some very plain-spoken questions? I thought he did a great job. Um, obviously, we're interested in American things, but the big fight is up here in Canada. And I expect Kean and our other reporters will do a great job up here. But as Kean pointed out, the thing about America is it's more free. Journalists are freer, and politicians are expected to answer questions more than they do up here in Canada. Just another way that the First Amendment uh, is one of America's great strengths, and our lack of it is one of our great weaknesses. All right, folks, that's our show for today. Thanks for watching. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.